I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. I'm April, VP of the cutting-edge sex toy company, Hot Octopus, and I dedicate my life to the business of sex. We are on a mission to teach you how to have hot sex, deep intimacy, and how to make your own rules for who you are as a sexual being. Welcome Welcome to to the Shameless Sex Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 50% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use code SHAMELESSSEX at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast. This podcast is extra special. Guess what, Chip? Guess why? It's pronounced shamless sex in some places. Shamless. 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 Is it shamless? What is the wine? A chablis? A chablis? It's a chablis. A chablis. Or chablis. I would like some chablis. Can I have a glass of chablis, please? With a, some peanut noir. Sounds like you've been drinking some chablis on the Sh- side over there. <laughs> we, we definitely had some chablis today. Damn it, you called me out, Chip. Oh my gosh. Well, now I have no excuse. Um, okay, so. <laughs> no, now you have an excuse. Oh my God. See, the wine is hitting real hard today. <laughs> That's COVID. You start recording like three I hours like ago. Everything, everything now, I swear, anywhere I am, it's like, Hey, you can only have two people at the table. It's COVID. I'm like, really? Mm. But what about my my animal? It's COVID. I'm like, okay. I feel like it's like this like very weird excuse slash reasoning for anything that All could things. possibly be fucked up yeah. or weird or different. It's like, no, it's COVID. It's COVID. And I'm like, oh, okay. I accept that. Yeah. I totally. So it's like, so Amy can't talk right now. It's COVID. So drink your wine at two o'clock. COVID. 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 <laughs> We're having a work day today. Um, okay. So, and the wine goes hand in hand and you'll hear at the end of our podcast. Why? Because we have a wine sponsor. Okay. So anyways, Keely Rankin, we recorded with her once on Let's see. It was erectile dysfunction, which she calls erectile control. Delayed ejaculation, which is when it's hard for you to orgasm or ejaculate, um, whether a penis owner or a vulva owner. And then she also talks about ejaculatory control, which people know as as, as premature, ejac- premature ejaculation. See, so I already fucked it up. Um, it was a great episode. We loved, we learned a lot. And we asked her to come back. And so this one is all about orgasm for all kinds of bits. Vulvas, it's a good one. Penises, all the in-betweens, all the things. Uh, she has lots to share. So this will apply to anyone and everyone. If you have had an orgasm, you want to have an orgasm, maybe it's easy, maybe it's hard, um, or maybe you just want to up your orgasm game. This podcast is also brought to you by someone that we love, also known as omgs.com. You've heard us talk about omgs.com many times if you are an avid listener. What is omgs? It is an online platform that is research-based. They have two seasons. Season one is all about external vulva stimulation and orgasms and pleasure. Season two is all about internal stimulation orgasms and pleasure for vulva owners. And what they did is they studied with thousands of vulva owners to see how do you have your orgasms? How do you pleasure yourself? How did you learn how to do this? It's tasteful, short videos that show you all these techniques that you can apply at home, whether you are a vulva owner and you want to up your orgasm game or learn how to have an orgasm, or you're a vulva admirer and you want to learn how to pleasure a vulva. Um, it is better than any book or DVD that money can buy. And these are thousands of real humans, y'all. Thousands of humans yeah. that they use. Real life humans. And it's kind of awesome because they use techniques and they call them things like layering, hinting, signaling, shallowing, edging, and edging, staying in it. So if you want to get your OMGS game on and get that mega O face going, whether you are, as Amy said, a vulva owner or you just love Vulva, vulva. Then go to omgs.com slash shameless and you get $5 off. And remember, it's not a subscription service. You pay one time and you get access to either season one or season two. omgs.com slash shameless. Watch it over and and over and over. I was going to say something before when you were talking about this episode being all about orgasms. And you get an orgasm. And you get an orgasm. It's like we're giving away Ferraris on Oprah show. Oh my gosh. But, but it's, it's an orgasm. Orgasms. So it's the gift that keeps on giving. Do you know how, how many people have orgasmed to us? I don't know the number, but it's a lot. I'm thinking about 69.5%. <laughs> I want to raise that number up now. But there's no, there's actually no stats behind that. So oh, please. we need to do some raise. We do. Hey, I heard there's a sale going on in Shameless Sex. <gasps> You're so right. So right now there is actually. Amy, go slower than slow. Oh. No, slower than that. So <laughs> right now. 
Is that too slow for the podcast? Yeah, it is. For, so the thing is, with podcasts, faster sometimes is better because those slow moments, people are like, are you gone? Like, did what it, happened? Did it break? Is it broken? They fucked this up. Is this thing on? Uh, okay, so we have some merch, everyone. Uh, you can get t-shirts, coffee mugs, masks, all kinds of things. Can you get a skirt? You can get a skirt. <laughs> a, skirt. a sweater, a sweatshirt <laughs> with all kinds of shameless sex taglines, etc., including go slower than slow and then slower than that. Join the the hashtag shameless sex revolution. Um, all kinds of fun things. And all proceeds go to a particular um, cause of the month right now is actually to the Brianna Taylor Fund. Um, so go and buy the merch. And right now, I believe it's, well, I don't know what the day this podcast comes out or the day you're listening, but November 24th and 25th, I believe you get up to 35% off. Um, this is 2020. So if you go to our website, you scroll down, that's shamelesssex.com, and you click the banner that says t-shirts and things. Um, go and buy your merch. Go send us photos of it. Please, no dick pics or genitals in your photos. But We keep nothing. We keep nothing of no, we the profits. Everything. We donate everything. All the things. Thanks, Arnold. Yeah. Oh, all right, Arnold, are you ready for a sex question? I just watched The Terminator with you the other day. That's where it We did. Out. We watched Terminator 2. Oh, it was Terminator 2. We forgot that it was almost three hours. And we're like, it's like Yeah, it was a long fucking movie. And yeah. I was like, what is happening? There's always things blowing up. Hasta la vista, baby. Baby. <laughs> That never gets old, you know? That will never get old. Plus, he was our governor at one point. Plus, he's a pl- on a plant-based diet, and he was the bodybuilder of the century. He's on current. He currently yeah, is on Yeah, he's vegan, one. dude. Was he when he was a, the bodybuilder? I'm too? not sure about that. I think he had a lot of he animals. He probably had a lot of sausages. <laughs> Vienna's, that they call them in some countries. Yeah, where's he from? Austria? Austria. Vienna's. Uh, <laughs> Sex question time. All right, this sex question is about is it Venus. Is it about Venus? No, it's not about <laughs> Venus. Oh, we're having fun. All right. <laughs> I started listening to you a couple of months ago in search of a particular topic around STIs, that's sexually transmitted infections, but a lot of you maybe have heard of it as sex, STDs, sexually transmitted diseases. As I call um, them, STIDs. Oh, STIDs, formerly known as venereal disease. Um, this person didn't write this part, by the way. This is <laughs> April and I... It really helped me overcome some of the shame I was experiencing. I was diagnosed with genital herpes, and I'm pretty sure I contracted it from a man I was seeing at the time. I was heartbroken. He swears he never knew about it, and I kind of believe him, but I'm feeling what it felt. I'm feeling... Feeling what it felt, it's hard to tolerate as an excuse. I had to break it off because every time we did it from then on, I would have a painful outbreak. It was just bringing me down. Fast forward one year later, and I decided to buy some new toys to start to rekindle with my senses. And I have used the toys two or three times, and each time I do have another outbreak. It's so disheartening. I miss my pussy so much, but everything has changed. Are you familiar with this, and do you have any particular guidance? Hmm. Interesting sex question because I actually have not heard of people self-pleasuring and that causing an outbreak, uh, whether to the sex toy or from from sex with another partner, unless of course they're giving you you know the their the herpes virus, um, or just masturbating with your hands. That that in itself would bring the virus on when the virus, once you have it, it's in your body. Um, so you, you know, it stays with you forever and it can go dormant and maybe never come back for a lot of people. It comes back maybe a couple times a year, but here's the thing. So with the herpes virus, when you bring blood flow, um, into, say you have in your face or your genitals, when you bring blood flow to that area, that can increase the likelihood of you getting an outbreak. And the reason why I know this is because I have a cold sore virus on my face. And I know for a fact that if I take arginine, which you can buy at the health food store, or it's actually in a lot of foods, specifically things that have nuts, seeds, grains, they're high in arginine. What arginine does is, I believe it's what you call, is it a vasodilator? I think it pushes blood into your face and your genitals. And when that happens, it can actually lead to, there's more likelihood of getting an outbreak. So for me, as someone who gets cold sores easily, if I feel like I'm about to get an outbreak, what I do is I do a low arginine diet and a high lysine diet, which is a diet that doesn't push the blood into my face or my genitals. I don't have genital herpes, but I have it on my face. Um, So this is why I'm saying this. Number one, maybe it makes sense that when you push blood into this area, it makes you more susceptible to getting the outbreak. Um, and if that is an issue for you, that you're having this happen from sex with yourself or sex toys or other people, 
my advice is go on a high lysine diet and not a high arginine diet. So do you, are you a vegan? Are you a vegetarian? Do you eat a lot of nuts, seeds, and grains? Because those things, uh, herpes loves eat those things up. It's high in arginine. Um, if that's the case, then you might want to re, uh, reevaluate your diet. And so maybe if you're a vegan or vegetarian, maybe it doesn't mean meat, but, um, things that are high lysine. So, and you can Google this, uh, foods that are high in lysine versus high arginine. There's all kinds of stuff online. Um, but high lysine is things that are animal based products. So it's meat and dairy, but also things like avocado and apples and certain veggies and fruits. Um, but certainly not most nuts, seeds and grains. Um, so if this is a thing, say, or maybe you don't want to change your diet entirely, but every time you want to masturbate, maybe the next day you make sure that you do a high lysine diet or take more lysine, um, supplements. Uh, you can also get on a Valtrex prescription where you take a daily Valtrex if this is an issue. It's easy to get from a doctor. Um, I take, I have a Valtrex prescription. I don't take it every day, but if I feel like I'm getting a little tingle in my lip, then I take Valtrex for two days and then it's gone. Yeah. I think that that's all. Diet is a huge part of and stress controlling and, lack of and sleep. minimizing uh, the HSV-1 or HSV-2, whichever form that you have. I will say that uh, Stress is a huge thing that has to do with activating this virus as well as a low immune system. And some of those things can happen simultaneously. So if you do practice uh, eating the foods that can sort of inhibit the virus from taking effect, that would be really helpful. And also the stress minimizers and take some adaptogens. Those are great. Uh, those are, um, they, they just help your body with stress. What are adaptogens uh, for our listeners that don't uh, know? So adaptogens are found in, you can get them like in mushroom vitamins. complexes and things. Yeah. Like reishi and you all You can that. actually get, yeah, there's like, um, Oh, there's, there's actually adaptogen, uh, supplements. I don't, you know, you get at your like local health food store. Yeah. Just go I, to the health food store into the health food, the, the supplement section and say, I want adaptogens. And I also will bring up the one piece of this question that I wanted to touch on is that the person, the man that you said, um, possibly gave you the possibly virus. give it. The thing with herpes is that it's contracted from skin to skin contact. Not, it's not a fluidly contracted, uh, STI. So you could get it from as, uh, as Amy got it from kissing someone yeah. back in the day. Thanks and, human in Hawaii. Thanks yeah. a lot. You said it was a sun blister. It was not a sun blister. I didn't believe you. <laughs> so the, the, the thing about it is that this person may or may not have had that and it's contracted typically by the person that is, that has the virus active. There's like a tingly sensation and sometimes there's no lesions. So sometimes they don't know what this vibrating sensation is. And if they have it, whether it was transmitted orally to the vaginal area or vice or genitals versa. Genitals. Yeah. yeah. It, it's hard to say. It, it is one of those mystery uh, viruses because it's hard to pinpoint if this was your only partner and the only skin to skin contact you'd ever had before, then perhaps. And I can tell you that I thought that I knew the person that had given me the virus back when I was 17. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure because I think it perhaps was from someone earlier on that had given yeah. me oral like cunnilingus down under and that had probably had maybe, um, cause I have HSV one, which is typically the mouth version oh, on your genitals, on the genitals. Uh. So, and, and well, I will say that just minimizing the, amount of um, stress is always a key factor in activating the virus. So if you can minimize your stress levels and keep your and immune system yeah. really, really uh, just healthy, balanced immune system, you probably will have less and less outbreaks. And the linking of the toys to an outbreak, it might just be in, it, it might be coinciding with something else happening. And the blood flow, as Amy was talking about, is is activating it and possibly, it, yeah, it will hopefully get better with time. I don't know how long ago you contracted this or it came out, but have you ever had April? Have you ever had? So when I used to get facials back in the day, she would ask, um, do you get cold sores on your lips? And I said, yeah, I get that. I can get cold sores kind of easily. She said, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do, um, I, I think it was like a microdermabrasion at that time. She won't do anything close to the lips because they can cause 
outbreaks because what it's doing is it creates little fissures. And the minute, or I've had this, my lips have been chapped and I get a little cut on it. It's I'm more likely to get a herpes outbreak because all of a sudden the blood's going there because you have all the blood cells that are trying to heal it. Yeah. So I'm wondering if the sex toy that you're using, maybe it's like one of those suctiony satisfier womanizer things that is actually bringing blood flow to that very specific area that's creating little fissures or something. So maybe also going lighter on the sex toy or something like that. And then the last piece that you were saying, April, with your partners. I mean, you could have had sex with someone five years ago and you got it from them and it's just coming out. Yeah. That's also possible. And the last thing is it's not a death sentence. It's so common. Herpes on your lips or your genitals is like more common than, than people think. It's like, what is it, 80% of the population or something? It's a lot of people that I, have it. Yeah. There is something about herpes being around since the, the Grecian times. And the reason it's called herpes is it, it, it means something similar In to Greek. like pain in the ass. It's like, it's <laughs> yeah. like a, it's like a, it's, Oh, it's a pain in the it's ass. It's a pain in the ass. And or it's my, it's not going to kill you, but it's a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. And so Don't thank you for, yeah, no shame in it. It's one of the most common STIs yeah. out there. And uh, even though some folks that have, I mean, my mom and my grandmother, they all had herpes, yeah. uh, cold sores, yeah. and it's nothing to be ashamed of. And just own it, know when you have an outbreak, and then you will minimize the chance of spreading it. Yeah. Or if you feel like your immune system is low, maybe that, that's not the time to play with your sex toy or have sex too. So there's ways that you can do the holistic approach. Condoms to do not protect against herpes though, P.S. Unless, well, unless the herpes virus is on the head of the cock or whatever, that there's not the skin on skin stuff, but people haven't, yeah, this is a complicated thing. It's complicated. Nothing is null, nothing other than abstinence. Unless you get a miraculous herpes Oh, yeah. That abstinence. That's what we're preaching right yeah, here. We, we preach yeah. abstinence on this. So do you know, but this is an abstinence-only uh, podcast. This podcast is inspired by or sponsored by abstinence. It's I thought it was no sponsored one ever. by anal. 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 Tell me about Keely Rankin. Ship. I love her. So I adore Keely. And so I'm going to read her bio and I feel like it doesn't even do her justice. You have to listen to this one of the first episode. And if you didn't listen to the first episode she was on with us, definitely go check that out. And here we go. Keely Rankin is a sex and relationship coach, pleasure advocate, and a sexy preneur. She works with individuals and couples who want to embrace their innate desires, build sexual confidence, and fully realize their sexual potential. She has been featured in media outlets such as the Huffington Post and Oprah Magazine. I love fucking Oprah. (laughs) As an expert in male sexual struggles where she created a premature ejaculation mastery video course for men to learn to last longer in bed from the privacy of their own homes. To learn more, visit Keely Rankin. That's K-E-E-L-E-Y-R-A-N-K-I-N.com. But first... Whether you've been naughty or nice this year, it's time to treat yourself to the gift of Manscaped, the best in men's below and above the belt grooming. You want your holes to look as sexy as you feel this year, so why not check out the Manscaped Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer? It's waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system, so your unruly nose hair and ear hair will never be a holiday faux pas again. Trim it up and look better than any of those presents under the tree. This bundle also includes the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, your butt, and your bod. And it also has some liquid formulations that will have your jingle balls smelling good and feeling softer than a layer of freshly fallen snow. And right now, Manscaped is giving our listeners 20% off and free shipping with the code SHAMELESS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code SHAMELESS. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds, tone those testes, and make Santa proud. All right. It's interview time. <laughs> oh my God. So um, we started this recording laughing because we were just singing, This is how we do it. <laughs> and we're all dancing. Yeah, on Zoom right now. But we're here today <laughs> to talk about orgasms. And we're back here with Keely Rankin, who we absolutely love, 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 loved. Uh, she was on our podcast in July. 
talking about uh, erectile control. We're going to use that term of dysfunction, ejaculatory control and sort of premature ejaculation, as well as delayed ejaculation. And uh, it was really, we learned so much and we've had a lot of really positive feedback about that. And we just really resonate with you. Keely, so we're so happy to have you back. And today, orgasm is usually one of our top topics that people want to hear about because, well, it relates to just about everyone. So before we dive into that, can you do a little, we already shared the bio in the intro of this podcast, but do the usual of telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the field of sexuality. Yeah. So my name is Keely Rankin. It's so great to be back here with you ladies. It's just so wonderful to chat with you today. So thank you for having me. Um, And I work with uh, men, women, and couples around helping them find erotic pleasure, connect with their bodies, um, all things related to sex relationship based. And um, how did I get into this field? Um, Well, I, I, the sort of, there's sort of multiple ways I answer that, but the way I'll answer it today is that um, I grew up riding horses. I loved riding horses, very, very passionate about riding, and I happened to be really good. And so um, it, it put me in a situation where I would take riding lessons with a lot of older people, and they were just constantly talking about sex around me. And so it just sort of really normalized this discussion about blowjobs and birth control and all of these things. Like I actually remember one woman giving me like a full tutorial on how to give a blowjob at like 14. Wow. <laughs> so she was a wonderful person. Her name is Glory. Um, and so as, you know, my peers started to talk about sexuality, I happened to just have all of this knowledge. So I went all the way through high school, really educating a lot of my peers about how to give blowjobs and birth control and all these different things. And so when I decided I didn't want to ride horses professionally anymore, and I sort of re-looked at my life and sort of thought, like, what do I want to do? The only thing I wanted to do was, was something around sexuality. Like, it just, it, it just felt right. It's always felt right. And so now here I am, uh, you know, with my master's degree. And, you know, Amy and I, you know, we have a lot of shared training in common. Um, and so that's how I kind of ended up here. And now you work, so you work with clients, uh, you said you, and, and now it's all virtual in this time. Did you used to do retreats and all that stuff too? Or is it, was it always just kind of like one-on-one stuff? Um, yeah, lots of groups. Um, I've never done any retreats per se, but lots of groups and, um, mostly one-on-one and now everything, yeah, everything is virtual. Nothing. Oh, and you have your workshop series. I remember that. The online workshop workshop series. Yeah. I had a sex is meditation workshop series with a colleague of mine and it was, it was such a wonderful experience really helping bring people into this mindfulness aspect of sexuality and how to cultivate this understanding within your body and then allowing you to communicate in relationships from that mindful space is really rich for a lot of people. In this particular podcast, which I think is, it's not a continuation of the last time we spoke, but it is in such a topic that is not only important for all folks out there because orgasm is something that I think a lot of folks want to achieve in terms of pleasure, pleasuring themselves or with partners. And we talked about delayed orgasm uh, on the last Mm -hmm. show. And I, I would love to touch base about that again, because I know you've had a lot of people reach out. Can you also talk about the orgasm trap? It's a trap. Yeah. It's a so- trap. It always just reminds me. I really like to think about this idea of like, there's a big giant circle. And if you just put a dot in the circle, like one, like draw a big circle on a big piece of paper and you put a dot in it, that is the experience of orgasm in the, in what can be possible in sexuality. And you also put another dot for penetration intercourse in there too, because these are these two main places where people get really overly focused and the orgasm trap, it, you know, comes up so often. I hear people, you know, really in my practice often is like they're, they get really, um, dialed in on wanting this one experience to happen, this peak experience of orgasm. And it ends up taking away from everything. It's like nothing else matters. They don't even really remember what else was going on in the experience. They weren't present for it. They weren't able to really be in the moment of all of these different wonderful exchanges that they were having because they were so focused on this one peak experience of orgasm. So I think of orgasm, it's like this peak, right? If we imagine this scale from one to 10, 
and you know zero being not aroused, one starting to be aroused, and nine the point of no return, and ten being the orgasm. People get so so focused on trying to get to that nine and that ten that they really miss the whole experience, and so much so that people can get so wound up that they won't even be able to find that experience, like they won't even be able to find their orgasm. And so I think of it as this trap because. It's like every way they look, they're just over-focused on it. And then they never actually get to really have the full experience mm. versus like, you know, just letting it be like, if it happens, it happens. And it's great when it happens, there just becomes this over-focus, which makes you forget everything else. So it's like making orgasm the the bonus as opposed to like the goal or what it's all about. Like it's like the, you know, or the icing on the cake. Yay, we got this wonderful thing. But the whole, that's not what the whole cake is about or, um, you know, how, how to enjoy the journey. And I love the number system. Um, I've used that before because I have uh, had a lot of sexual experiences that have been absolutely fabulous. I haven't had, didn't have an actual orgasm, mm-hmm. you know, the contractions of my pelvic floor with that euphoric release thing that lasts for, I don't know, five seconds, 10 seconds, if I'm lucky, maybe sometimes mm-hmm. one second on a not so great day. Um, but I, but I have enjoyed, I've had a lot of, had a lot of pleasure there where I'm hanging out on mm-hmm. like a seven, eight, nine. And I've had partners that are like, what's wrong? Where's the org, you know, what's the orgasm? Yeah. Like they, there's yeah. a problem there. So I think that the trap probably maybe you can comment on this a little more. It's like we, we put ourselves in the trap because we put the pressure mm-hmm. on ourselves, but then partners are also doing uh, with the, for their own ego. Totally. Like oh, I failed as a lover if you don't get there. And it's mm-hmm. hard for a lot of people to understand mm-hmm. that you can have really great sex and not have the muscle contractions of, of orgasm. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And for some people, the best part isn't even, isn't even the orgasm. And I think it's sort of like expanding out the folks who get really overly concerned with that orgasm and starting to see like, well, what else is in sex? And sometimes when I have clients who are so overly concerned with their orgasm, I'll say like, look, actually, next time you're with your lover, no orgasms. Like, let's see what else is in there. I want you to find 10 things. I want you to write down 10 things that were fun and pleasurable and felt really good that were not the orgasm. Is so it like, like a rule, like they can't have the orgasm or is it? Is it- yeah, I mean, I'd say it pretty loosely with people, but it's like, don't go for the orgasm. Yeah. So it's more like if it happens, obviously no one's in trouble per yeah. se, but um, it's like, what, what happens if we take away that the only reason you're going to be sexual with your partner is to find the orgasm? Because there's so many more things in sex than the orgasm, the closeness, the eye contact, the sense, the sensations, and just finding that nine and 10 is like, it's like a race. Sometimes when people overfocus, it erases all the other experiences. And that's what I think is, a, it ends up being really, um, ultimately, I think people can get pretty bored with it too. Like, okay, well, what's the point? Like, I did this a bunch of times and nothing really changes. And that also leads into like your orgasm doesn't have much room to breathe either because you're always chasing it in this one way and you're putting so much pressure on your body to get to this place. Or if you're really worried about your partner's orgasm, you're always going for the orgasm versus I really like the analogy of like the symphony Mm. of like, if we go and listen to the symphony, it's not like we're going in and just going like, right to the end of the symphony and being done with it. It's like, you're really enjoying the whole experience. And the, when it starts to go a little slower and a little softer, and then maybe just, you know, one violinist is playing and then everybody comes up. And so it's like, how does your sex begin to feel like this whole symphony versus just like this one straight path, right. To trying to find an orgasm. I was one of these people. I have to say those folks out there, and I don't know if this resonates with anyone. I was one of the people until actually I started the podcast, the shameless sex podcast, talking to experts and, and folks out there that it was like, it's okay not to orgasm or have your partner orgasm. I was one of the people that was chasing the, not having the orgasm, but giving the person that I was in the experience Mm -hmm. with an orgasm. And it was like almost, it was was definitely to a fault until I realized that it was this about this journey, but I am like the destination person in general. Like I will speed in my car to get places faster. Mm -hmm. I'm a seven on the Enneagram because I'm like, let's just get there. (laughs) All right. But it's really, it is actually a a trap, not only for yourself, but it can also be a mind fuck for the person that you're in an experience Mm -hmm. with like, oh, or, and, and I, I mean, with my current partner, I, if, if there's been ever times where I haven't come or he hasn't come, I'm like, so what, what, 
how was the experience now? <laughs> I never used, I, no, I would, I would never ask that That's before. Wrong. Like, why didn't you come? But yeah. like, it is a thing. And, mm-hmm. and it's not only a self-induced thing where you will question your own, uh, ways or your own body or, and why your body didn't respond in certain ways. And mm-hmm. I have been guilty of faking orgasms. I have definitely mm-hmm. faked orgasms to help initiate the orgasm of the person that I'm fucking, right? Like, uh, like oh, oh, just initiate to, to help to help them oh, because I'm like, oh, if I if I fake like I'm coming, then, then they'll, they'll come. come because of, yeah. Uh, so it's been a thing that can, I've done, and it's like a shameless, open, vulnerable. Oh yeah, uh, uh, honest. Wait, can I ask honest, you a question about that? Because I've also yeah. faked orgasm. Okay, so oh. you're saying that you've. Uh, I mean, I think most people I know at some point have, and you know, and we learn. And I don't like condone it, but I think I'll, I'll be living caretaker culture where. So, but you're saying that you fake the orgasm so that they'll have an orgasm, not because you want the sex to be over and like, is it over yet? Because I think that's why a lot of people fake orgasms too, is like, mm-hmm. can we get it over with? Oh, I had an orgasm, so now we can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're mm-hmm. saying for you personally, April, that if you faked an orgasm in the past, it's so that they can have an orgasm so that you can feel good about yourself exactly. because they got pleasure. Exactly. Interesting. It's a power move for yeah. me huh. and I, because I love helping people have an orgasm (laughs) that I'm having sex with. I, it's hot to me. It's even a bigger turn on. And Mm -hmm. I, I have faked it before and it has not worked where I'm like, Oh, they didn't come. God damn it. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have another orgasm. (laughs) I swear to God, it's coming. You sound like like an 80 year old woman from the Midwest. That's my 80 year old with my hips breaking over here. I'm really trying. All for your pleasure. So can we talk about faking orgasms though, Keely? Like what, what, Okay, so let's talk more about that. Well, you know, I think the problem with quote-unquote faking an orgasm would be if you're not getting the type of pleasure that you need and your partner thinks that they're giving you pleasure when they're not giving you pleasure. So it's like if you're not satisfied and your partner is doing this thing and they think that that's what brought you to orgasm. I mean, that's the major problem with faking the orgasm. I mean, if you're wanting to bring your partner you know, it sounds like the the partner you're speaking about, like the person who wanted you to orgasm, they're turned on by you being turned on, right? There's like this, they're making you turned on. And so that if you're not turned on, they're probably not turned on. I'm guessing that 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 lever you're speaking to, like if you were kind of not into it, like they'd probably just like not even want to have sex. Like their arousal's really attached to that. So I don't know. It's interesting. Like when I hear you talk about it, I'm like, well, you're, you know, you're faking it it sounds like this partner can bring you to orgasm. The person you were talking about, like was, is orgasm possible with them? Uh, well, this was a previous partner. Well, actually it happened uh-huh. with uh, two or three previous partners. Uh, and yeah. there were times, however, and this is not about me because I want to continue on what you were going to say. Mm. I had struggled with having orgasms with partners for a long time because mm. I was used to, oh, I had only experienced orgasm through masturbation from a young age okay. onwards. So uh, mm-hmm. now- my latter years, I'm, I'm more inclined to like be able to tune in. But previously mm-hmm. it wasn't always that my partner was concerned about it, but I knew that they would love to know the fact mm. that I was having an orgasm. Yeah. So you kind of felt like pressure to do it because totally. it would make them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the trickiest part about faking it is like that people get the wrong information, right? Like your lover might get the wrong information about what you like and start to think like, oh, that's what does it. And if it, if it doesn't actually do it and there's, and that's the thing about the orgasm trap, right? There's so much pressure to orgasm that we end up faking it because we feel like that's what our partner would deem as like the, you know, they did a good job if you orgasm. There's so much confusion around orgasm and so much obsession, I think, especially in like the way our culture talks about it of like orgasm is this one thing that proves that you were a great lover. And that's not even true. Like you could be with someone, they could make you orgasm, but it doesn't even mean that they're a great lover. It's just like an orgasm happened. Mm -hmm. So it's such an interesting thing. And I mean, I think I agree. Most people have faked orgasms. Um, I have, definitely in the past. Like April, I'm, I'm like you, it took me a long time to be able to figure out where my orgasm was, especially with a partner. And you do fake it because it sometimes just feels easier to like, you know, want this to be over or that's what they're looking for. And it's a bummer. I mean, I sort of made a commitment to myself about 10 years ago, like no more, like, I'm just not going to fake it anymore. Like it's not worth it to me to put on a show. It's like, if I'm not enjoying that, I'm 
then I need to figure out how to find enjoyment. And that may mean actually stopping the whole thing altogether and regrouping, or it may mean just asking for something more that I want. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting what you bring up about this, like, you know, if it's true, in fact, that your partner can bring you pleasure and a lot of times that they do, but you know, your pleasure brings them pleasure. Like, what is it, you know, is it really that bad to just kind of like moan a lot and, uh, you know, let your body make those movements to help them feel more excitement? I think it's interesting. I think it would be something each couple might want to talk about. Like, hey, sometimes I, you know, do this, even though it's not a real, technically a real contraction, pelvic floor orgasm, like, is that okay with you? So that people don't feel misled. Cause that's the, that's the tricky part is when people find out down the road, like, oh, that didn't actually create pleasure for me. And then the, the partner gets really oftentimes really upset because that's what they're there for, right? Well, they're there it, to be in connection. And I like that you said, like, I never even thought about it that way is like almost there's this, this it's a good and bad faking bad not faking good and like there yeah. there's so many ways to do this and so you can have an and I, I what about i think of people who've been in relationships for five or six years they've been faking a lot of orgasms they feel this shame they're like well i could never own up to that so i have to just, yeah. just keep being dishonest and maybe that's what you mm-hmm. want to do too i'm not going to judge you for for doing that everyone gets to decide but Maybe there is a gray area there or another route where you share, hey, you know what? The more I feel into my body, my experience, I'm, I'm seeing this, this part of me that makes these sounds and these movements. I might even say I'm coming in um, and, and I'm learning that a lot of that is performative and this might be kind of hard mm-hmm. to hear, but uh, you know, I'm okay with doing that. Are you okay with that too? Or should we try some other things? Or Because I think that there, people get kind of like that's again that coming back to that trap it becomes this repetitive cycle and then the fear is you know if i actually own up to it and share it in this current relationship i might lose the love they might be upset they might think i'm a liar dishonest or i might feel broken um i know some people who are like thank god i ended that relationship because i was faking a bunch of orgasms so now (laughs) the next one I horrible. Um, yeah, now the next one I don't have to do that anymore. But then the next yeah. one they do it again. <laughs> like, I do it again. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it comes down to the conversation about our pleasure is really really hard to have. I think mm-hmm. it's really really hard to have and I think the truth is our bodies change day to day, moment to moment. And so you know, it's an ongoing conversation. There's not just one conversation of like, I like it when you touch me this way. I mean, it's an ongoing communication that has to happen. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, you end up in situations where potentially you, you, you feel like you need to fake it. Yeah. And it's such a bummer. It's yeah. such a bummer. Okay, time for a quick break. This podcast was made possible by Uberloop. It's a luxurious silicone lubricant that enhances sex and intimacy. We receive emails from listeners who have tried Uberloop and the feedback is unanimous. We never knew lube could be this good. It's also less likely to throw off the pH than most other lubes and there are thousands of doctors recommending Uberloop to their patients whether they want to make their hot sex even hotter or for folks experiencing dryness. Uber Lube is without a doubt my favorite lube. It has no flavor, no scent, and feels absolutely amazing on my body. And it isn't just for sex. I use it to tame my hair frizzies, to prevent chafing, and I even put some in my mouth before an oral sex session. Totally ups my blowjob game. Oh, and the bottle, it's beautiful. It looks like a cosmetic product. So I just leave it out on my nightstand totally shamelessly. To learn why we think it's the best lube on the planet, check out uberlube.com and use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off plus free shipping. Again, that's uberlube.com and use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast was also made possible by Satisfier. The holiday season is fast approaching. Do you have someone to play with under the mistletoe? If not, your sex life does not need to suffer. Satisfier creates cutting-edge pleasure products to empower you to stay warm on these cold winter nights. I'm obsessed with Satisfier's air pulse stimulators, such as the Pro 2. They vibrate and provide a suction sensation, and my bits just can't get enough. Satisfier's sexy devices are also great for partner play. The Double Whale is a super affordable pleasure product with a U-shaped vibe that is perfect for simultaneous G-spot and clitoral stimulation. And it can be worn during sex, so both partners get stimulation with every thrust. This holiday season, give yourself or your loved one or loved ones the gift of satisfaction. 
visit satisfier.com. That's S-A-T-I-S-F-Y-E-R.com to find my favorite Satisfier products. Go check it out. I can't get off the same way I got off t- 10 years ago or even 10 months ago. No I'm like, no, that doesn't work for yeah. me anymore. And I need X, Y, and Z, which is a great segue into the next question because we've had folks in the show, we've had folks write us, listeners write us about only one way that they've been able to have an orgasm. Mm-hmm. So some folks like, let's bring in the blowjob scenario. Some folks can only get off with oral. Some folks can mm-hmm. never get off with oral or so they tell themselves. Yeah. Uh, so why is it that a lot of people think they can only get off one way? I am guilty of only thinking for a long time that I could only get off with vibrators. And yeah. I know now that that isn't true. So uh, if you have any tips as well for those folks out there. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, by no means when I say like, don't, you know, this orgasm trap, am I saying orgasms are not important? Like I, 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 I believe that orgasms are an an incredible experience that can happen inside of the erotic container with, with your, with yourself or with a partner. And I do think that it is important for people to be able to connect with their bodies that way and really let go. Because when I think about orgasm, like there is, yes, the scientific actual physical contractions of three to 15 pulses that happen in the pelvic floor and the sensation that runs, you know, from your pelvis into your brain that releases all the science stuff. And I also believe that there's a larger component of this letting go, this truly letting go in almost a spiritual realm of like, what does it mean to just be fully free? And, you know, in those big orgasms where, you know, those big, loud, guttural screams that happen when those huge waves roll through you, I think that they're, they are important, not the only important thing, but they do have importance. And, you know, when I think about people struggling to find orgasm um, or learning how to orgasm, I mean, really what it is, it's like people learn how to orgasm through a specific route, right? Their brain sort of figures out. It's like when you first learn about the world, you have no way to place anything. Your brain hasn't made any connective uh, relationships to anything, but eventually it's like, you see a dog, you know, it's your dog, you know, it's name. And you have all these memories that trigger when you see it because of the relationship you have with them. And I think about that a lot of times with orgasm too, like certain people just find a way towards orgasm. And I think about that really as like a physical sensation relationship. Like they learn on their oftentimes on their own, sometimes through a partner, but that's much more rare. Like they learn how to orgasm through these physical sensations in the privacy of their own bedroom late at night, oftentimes where they feel no pressure and they can just be themselves and they can move around and find a route into orgasm. And so their brain and their body start to understand like, oh, this is how I get there. And that's just one route. And I do think it is important for people not to put a ton of pressure on themselves, but like, can we find other routes to orgasm? Like, do we have to be so limited to just this one particular way? Can we eventually expand out? And, you know, from my own personal experience, like I originally found orgasm through a vibrator alone. And then it it took like two years to be able to find orgasm with a partner. You know, like it just, I couldn't, you know, and that really comes down to this other part about orgasm, which is the emotional openness. So there's this physical sensation piece, but then there's this emotional openness of like, what does it mean to that part I was talking about with orgasm where it's like this letting go? What does it mean to trust someone that much to be able to be yourself that fully and, and, you know, really unconsciously just release Mm -hmm. and, that is not a fast process. So that's why it's like, it's not about getting caught up in the orgasm trap. It's about continuing to look at what does it mean to deepen in intimacy and to understand yourself more and to trust the world and to trust your partner and to make good decisions about the relationships you get in. So you choose people that are trustworthy. Um, And that's a, you know, a huge component about being also able to open your orgasm up into this bigger space. And then, you know, the last you know, dynamic of, of turn-ons, I think is, you know, the erotic turn-on, like what actually turns you on. And so I think sometimes when people find their orgasm alone without a partner, they may be going to porn or they may be running certain fantasies in their heads, but then when they go to be with a partner, they shut that all down and they think like, oh, I just have to only focus on this person in front of me. I can't bring in my fantasies. I can't tell anyone my fantasies. That person's going to think I'm gross or weird or disgusting. Right. And so it's like, 
these, these different pieces can make it difficult for people to be able to find that release when they're with a partner. And, you know, there is this common experience, I think, for people who struggle with orgasm is like, they'll find their one route and then they get sort of like, okay, but that's the one way. So I'm just always going to go back to that versus like, take a deep breath. Okay. That's there if you need it. And what if we just expanded out and saw like, what else is in here? You know, maybe you have sex for a month or three months or a year and orgasm isn't as readily available because you're just trying other things. Like, what would that look like for you? But again, that orgasm trap keeps people so worried of like, I have to find it. My partner wants me to find it, you know, all of these things. So it gets, it gets tricky in there. I think that's common no. with, with sex toys. Like where you're t- I resonate with uh, my first orgasm was also from a sex toy. I'd already had sex with, you know, two or three people didn't have an orgasm there. And also I wasn't as awesome as April. I wasn't humping my teddy bear when I was younger. So I didn't learn how to have orgasms from my own genitals. I, people have asked me, they're like, how did you, you weren't, I, I just wasn't interested in, I, I'd explore my genitals because I was curious about like what they felt like and like the smell of them, but not like what feels good. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. later in life, you know, started having sex was kind of relying on other, later in life, meaning my late teenage years on other people to give me pleasure, wasn't really happening, finally bought a vibrator, had my first orgasm and it sets this, this default, you know, this like very powerful default. And I think probably these people are like, I can only orgasm from blowjobs probably had some of their first orgasms from blowjobs and maybe some experiences where it wasn't as um, easy in penetrative sex, whether because there was pressure or performance stuff or whatever, or people who can only orgasm from penetrative sex and not blowjobs, similar thing. Or maybe you have some penis shame, someone shamed you, your penis doesn't smell good or taste good. Um, And so we get this strong belief and then we keep reinforcing it. I or I, I can speak for myself. I, you know, I've had had a lot of experiences of continuously reinforcing the story. And um, April and I have talked about this. We've gone on vibrator strikes before, but it felt like we were stuck in the story of I can only get off to this vibrator. And the vibrator strike uh, helped me to, to get through it and to learn other ways to orgasm from my, you know, for myself or from partners. Usually. I mean, I'm still learning about my own hands. They're kind of mysterious to me. But anyways, um, but then the shame comes in of, okay, now I'm going to bring the vibrator back in. But because now I have this belief that I should be able to get off in all the ways. Now this is this. So there's, it's just, I just want to highlight how complicated this is. And I love how you bring in all the pieces. You know, it's not just this physiological thing. It's not just like this neural path in your brain and you just practice it and it changes. It also has to do with how, what you share with your partners, what you admit to yourself and the, you know, the ways that you love yourself, all these different pieces. And, and I love that. And it, I mean, it also drives me crazy because sexuality is so fucking complicated and that's why we have so jobs. Yay. <laughs> and, but it's ever changing. <laughs> ever changing, but not linear. And, frust- yeah. and frustrating in that sense because you don't just get to take, you know, the blue, well, the blue pill might give you an erection, but you know, you you don't get to take the blue pill or the red pill that will fix all of your sexual problems generally. And, um, and maybe in our, maybe in the take away the word problems, but the parts of yourselves that, that yourself that you might want to shift or feel like you're trapped in. Um, and so we're, we've been talking a lot about people who feel like they can only get off to one win one way. What about people who just like can't have an orgasm or it's super duper hard for them? Is it the same kind of thing? Yeah, that's the delayed orgasm piece. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's sort of, I, I normally would be curious about those say, three same things of sort of like the physical sensations, the emotional openness and the erotic turn, turn ons. It's like what's happening in your world around those three places. And, you know, one of the things we touched on in our last um, discussion around this is um, delayed orgasm is like a, a, a beautiful, mysterious beast, and it is um, something that people just, you know, people think about it often with women, which is so interesting, and they don't think about it with men. But it is, it's pretty, you know, it's the third most common experience of performance related that men struggle with. You know, first is premature ejaculation, then it's erectile dysfunction, and then it's this delayed piece. And it is, it's, it's so, I think it's really tough on men because they're, ex- women is like a lot of people just kind of expect it. Like, oh, yeah, she, you know all of this stuff. Right. But it's, it's interesting because for, I think for everyone, we're all caught up in this orgasm trap, you know, we're all caught up in what all of these different things mean and searching and trying to grasp for. And, um, 
And then, you know, the other piece too, if it's, you know, a heterosexual couple, there's often on the man so much pressure from the woman. Like women are like, something's wrong with me. I'm not sexy. He didn't orgasm. And it creates such a huge divide. And oftentimes the first thing I have, the first conversation I have with people around delayed orgasm is like, let's talk about how you discuss this with your partners, because this is going to take a while to figure out like minimum of six months, like minimum. So let's talk about what are your conversations with partners look like? If you're dating, how do you share? Like, it takes me a little while to orgasm. Um, this is nothing about how attracted I am to you. I'm really into you, but, you know, orgasm is difficult for me with new people. You know, practicing that conversation over and over again so it doesn't feel like it takes away from going into those new experiences. Um, it still gets to feel like a sexy conversation, but you're also setting up preparation for your partner. So they're not there waiting for you to orgasm and thinking that they're doing something wrong or you're not attracted to them. I think that's a, such an important component around what happens if you're in that, that experience of learning about your orgasm. How do you, how do you disclose that? So I think that just to recap that for everyone out there, don't be so hard on yourself and <laughs> share a little bit more, right? I think those and are constantly right, yeah. and which is hard to do, especially when the ego gets involved. That's what I'm hearing from you, Keely. And if I if I didn't get that right, but I think that's a huge piece, mm-hmm. a, a huge takeaway. Mm-hmm. And I know you have more tips, so I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was like, yes, no, no. don't be so hard no. on myself. And yes, it's okay not to orgasm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think people get caught up in this idea about what a sexual experience is supposed to look like. And so they don't vocalize, they don't vocalize what's actually true about their bodies or what's true about their history that their partner needs to know in order to take the pressure off the system so that you can just enjoy each other's bodies. And, you know, it, it feels good when someone lets us in. It feels good when someone tells us something that we know is difficult for them to say. And yeah, exactly. Absolutely. April. Yeah. So it's, it's not, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think again, then and we were coming back to the conversation of faking orgasms too briefly. Yeah. All humans have done it. Penis owning humans have done it. Vulva owning humans. I've talked to many penis mm-hmm. owners. I was like, yeah, I've faked an orgasm before. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. so it's, it's not just this thing. I think people typically think that that is some of the vulva owners, something that vulva owners do, but you know, this affects all of us. And this is, you know, this, this world that we live in, that says sex should be a certain thing. And if it's not, you're not doing it right. It's wrong. It's broken. I know some sex yeah. educators that speak that in that language too. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's a, it's a tricky thing. And I like what April said, like be more gentle with yourself. Um, mm-hmm. What about with age? And we, and so mm-hmm. how do you, know, we know that obviously April was saying like your body's different even from like eight months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot, you know, some of that can be physiological. A lot of it is also mm-hmm. just emotional. And sometimes it's like, well, I'm on fire and like, whoa, where did my, my desire, my um, sexuality go? But um, does, you know, does orgasm itself, someone's ability to have an orgasm, does that change? Um, and is it, is it, I'm quite doing air quotes, normal for, you know, the ways that you have orgasm to, to shift throughout your lifetime? So my opinion is a hundred percent. Yes. Like you, should expect that your pleasure and your partner's pleasure will change over time. And what's great about that is that it, it's not going to be the same. And, you know, imagine for some listeners that feels really scary of like, Oh, I just figured this out. And you're telling me they're going to change, but you know, sex is, if we can keep a curiosity about sex and we can keep coming back with this idea of like, what's right here in front of us, what's pleasurable to me, what's pleasurable to my partner, what can we create together, then the opportunities that can be created are endless. If we go in thinking like, I know if I press this button, this button, this button, this will happen. We really end up in sort of just like the same old street over and over and over again. And even if you were to do that, I would still say your body is going to change. I mean, our bodies are constantly shifting, adjusting, changing. Um, you know, even an orgasm you have in the morning may be different than an orgasm you have in the afternoon. Or even if, you know, if you're going for multiple orgasms in the same experience, first orgasm is going to be different than your second orgasm. And I often, you know, sometimes I'll work with people for a really long time and they'll say something like, you know, it's so interesting. Like a month ago, my orgasm just completely changed. Like, 
they're really paying attention to their bodies. They're working on a lot of different stuff. And they'll say like, it's interesting. It's like, it just kind of like my arousal is still ish there, but like my body's experience of how it's actually contracting shifts and change and nothing specifically happened. It's just like, sometimes our bodies go, I think they'd go in and out of waves of being able to open to pleasure and closing to pleasure. And, you know, I think we could all do more introspection around, you know, why those things are happening. But, but I think the main point is that it's normal. Our bodies are ebbing and flowing. And I really think about those plateaus where you kind of come in and you're like, something is just not quite right here as the perfect time to pause and look at what's happening in your life. How are you treating your body? How are you treating yourself? What's happening in your relationship? all of these different components that can impact our way of being and really see like, Oh, is this an indication of like something needs to shift? Maybe it's not, but it could also be a real indication of like, Oh, there's things that we need to dig into here, maybe from emotional component, but also maybe it's an opportunity to really explore different types of sex. You know, maybe all the stuff we've been doing, your body's kind of like, Oh, that's okay. But Maybe it could be an opportunity. I really always think of these things as opportunities to go deeper, a deeper layer of like what is possible in this, in your body from eroticism. Like what if we started to look a little bit at fantasies? What if we started to see like what actually turns you on? What if we expanded that area? So there's always something, you know, I always think of those times as like, okay, let's see, like what else can we learn here? Can we use it as an opportunity to see like what wants to shift? That's the whole piece of your brain is your biggest sex organ. It's like, yay, and god damn it. Damn it, brain. <laughs> because your brain is always doing so many different things. And when you get the pieces of stress or children or mm-hmm. I'm single and I'm looking for something and I am not finding it with this. Or, or my dick didn't get hard that one time. Yeah. Now I think it's going to be like that mm-hmm. all the time. And that's, that's the piece. It's like how do we channel? And I think the tuning in piece is huge, what you shared with tuning into your body, checking in with yourself, whether you're partnered for 15 years or, or 15 minutes. It's like yo, check in with yourself. What, what am I feeling? Is this feeling good? Or is this feeling like I need something else? Or do I need to bust out the vibrator? Or do I just want a gentle stroking of the hair? It's, there's so many layers and it is an opportunity because that makes us we all, no matter what, if you're a homo sapien, you love change because not really for the, for the better or the worst change, but you don't think you do, but you do. You do. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's proven. So it's, it's like, it's exciting at the same time and to learn about yourself and then be able to share that with a partner. If you are partnered or if you're flying solo and pleasuring yourself to find the different ways and shifts of your body hormonally through the months or through the days mm-hmm. um, or through the partnerships. The big part. I think, yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. huge. So I love that so much. That information, Keely. We love Keely. Yeah. The hormones. <laughs> the hormones. Yes, love hormones. 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 Yeah. Oh, hormones. It's going to have a big component on like what, what's actually happening inside of your body. And, you know, I'll also add in here too, because I think it's really important for people to know this we'll backtrack for a second. So porn created this unrealistic expectation of what sex looks like. And we've all bought into this myth. I mean, it's, it's in there, it's embedded in our culture. It's embedded in the sexuality that is moving around in the world right now. And what's true about the human body is, is not a light switch. Like it, we do not just turn on because we decide we should turn on. And there are days where you're not going to be able to perform the way that you imagine you should perform and even the way that you want to perform. And I think that piece of like, oh my, you know, I didn't get hard one time or this thing happened this one time and people get really, really worried about it. I normally say to clients, it's like, look, we want your body to be in relationship with you and, and, and engaging in the way that you want it to engage about 80% of the time. There's going to be 20% of the time where you're just going to have no fucking control. Like you're just not like you're tired, you're stressed. Like you didn't, you ate something weird. Like your body is just, it doesn't work like the way I think people are so used to things working, you know, with social media, things happen so instantaneously and our bodies, they just, there's not what they are. Mm-hmm. And there's a misconception around that. Like, Oh, if I just do all these things, I'll get a bigger orgasm. It's like, no, it, it's, it's much more nuanced and, and complex than that. And so it's like, if we, yes, we want your body to be able to, you to be able to relate to it, and engage with sex the way you imagine 
it wanting to happen about 80% of the time. And if you sort of slip below that, then it's like, okay, let's look at what's happening there. But 20% of the time is normal. It would be normal 20% of the time that you can't orgasm. Like that's, that's not abnormal. An expectation that 100% of the time you're going to get hard or orgasm or get wet or, I mean, it's just, or have like the most amazing sensations. It's just, it's an unrealistic expectation for people to try and put themselves up against. And I think that's why people end up feeling so bad and shameful about themselves because they're not fitting that 100% script, which no one fits. No yeah. one fits it. And then same thing, throwing there like the mutual, we're going to come at the same time. And if we don't, something is wrong. And then you're like, oh my God, we don't even have time. That should be its own episode. That could be a great episode. When that's, yeah, that is is a a special blue moon like it was on Halloween. (laughs) So I will say my husband and I actually had orgasms simultaneously the other day and I actually, that's the first time in my whole life it's ever happened. Uh-huh. And I didn't enjoy it, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I'm not sorry, not laughing at you, but just love. No, no, I, it's so amazing. Yeah. No, but you and I, I, I remember, and we actually, I forgot to tell him about this, so I should tell him <laughs> after. Um, because I couldn't, I couldn't enjoy his orgasm. Mm. Like I kind of leave, you know, I left a little bit into mine and he was in his and it was normally like when he orgasms, like I'll always look, I'll look at him. I'll look Mm -hmm. at him. Like however I can, I'll like cock my head or wherever, like I'll open my eyes, try and see him, you know, see his pleasure, see really witness him in that, in that release. But like when I was in my own, I felt really in my own and I didn't feel like I could be a witness to him. And it was such an interesting thing. And I remember thinking, huh, this is what people think is so great. (laughs) I was like, interesting. Like it wasn't, it didn't feel that way for me because I, I think I, I think I just really value getting to witness his Mm -hmm. orgasm. So, um, you got to share that with him. I should ask him what what he felt about it too. His experience. Yeah. Yeah. What he would, if he was like wondering also too, like, you know, so that was interesting. It's, I think, yeah, it was I, think I would have, have a similar, for me. similar experience where I find it really hot to look at my partner and, and hear all their sounds and their moans and see their face and all those things. But And maybe some people aren't that way though, right? Like some people don't necessarily get off to that. Maybe it's like less visual people or whatever that is. And But just the, I think moral of the story is the mutual orgasm is not like the, what do you call it? The golden ticket or something april said something like something Willy golden Monka? yeah something golden it's not like and just get and, just, and then the treasure trove yeah it's just the, um, not the end of of all of the bliss and all of the options so oh my god we could talk well to- and i'll also <laughs> yeah like i think there's this idea that people have of like we're the perfect match if we can find our peaks through mm. the same experiences yeah and i don't know why that became something. I really don't. Like, I don't know why that was decided as like the best experience. Maybe it's just common in porn. It's like the sound of one hand clapping. We will never know what it actually. (laughs) 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 We have no idea. But if anyone knows where that came from, please email us at (laughs) at info at shadowsex.com. And I'll also say another thing that I hear a lot, this is maybe a little separate, but I hear a lot from people like I want a natural orgasm. Yeah. I don't know. That's always a really interesting one. Is that like, Um, I don't know. I don't understand that one. Yeah. It's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. That's thought provoking. When they say natural, they're talking about from bodies. So from a penis or a mouth or fingers. Not like porn or or vibrator. Or yeah. yeah. Typically. Yeah. They want to take the vibrator out or they want to take fantasy out. They, that they have this desire. They have this idea about like rolling into orgasm through kind of no particular stimulation. Like they'll just, it will just kind of like happen. Um, um, and, and I think uh, maybe for some of those people also might mean penetrative sex too. So maybe for some of those people, often, and fingers yeah. might not be a part of it too. Cause usually be like, all right, well, you're not having an orgasm and you know, bring your fingers in or the way that you usually touch yourself. There was some mutual mm-hmm. masturbation, but they're like, no, but I want this natural thing. Like, I want to be able to, yeah. yeah let's to remind orgasm, people what, sex without yeah. pants. Yeah. when yeah. it comes to food, when you hear, see the word natural, it's bullshit because everything is natural. natural. Flavors were good for you. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh my god! <laughs> You're gonna have to explain what the fuck that means. <laughs> tune in for another. Tune in for another podcast to find out what that. Means. Why beaver anus is in your natural uh, flavors in your food? Yeah. So with that, though, I mean the idea of what is natural, like everything's fucking natural, and oh, if it's god. on this earth, so and like yeah, you're I know, size, but. Yeah. If humans are doing it and if you're doing it, you can guarantee other people are also doing it. I yeah. mean, that's the truth of the matter. Like mm-hmm. it, it, there's not, there's not one person doing one thing that no one else has ever done before. Yeah. So, so Keely, we, I, I don't want to end this beaver podcast anus. ever. I was, yeah. Can you tell us more about beaver anus? No, I'm just kidding. Please. Well, well, let's see. Um, it originated in 1818. <laughs> So can you tell folks, because you are absolutely just such an insightful human, you have so much good advice, and I know you have a bit of a wait list, but, and I want to encourage folks to reach out to you for, obviously for coaching sessions, how can they find you, reach you, and get more of your amazing advice? Yeah, thank you for that. That was amazing. I feel honored to hear you say that. Thank you. Um, little blushing. Um <laughs> Yeah, so the easiest way to find me is through my website, which is keelyrankin.com. It's K-E-E-L-E-Y-R-A-N-K-I-N. And you'll find all different types of information on there. I have a blog. I also have a course currently right now that is running. It's a course on early ejaculation for penis owners on how to overcome uh, and learn how to last as long as you want in bed. And also have many, many more courses coming, which I'm really excited about. So stay tuned on there and you'll be able to you know, get that information when new courses come up. And I'm also on Instagram, just the tips sex coach. You can find me on there. I'm not super active, but I am on there. So it's another way to connect with me. I love that. Keely Brinkin, everyone. Well, we'll have you back again for all of, I mean, there's so many facets of conversations that we could have just from this podcast that could, you know, digress and regress into so many great things. And beaver anus is not one of them, everyone. (laughs) However, stay tuned for more on that. Uh, So thank you, Keely, as always, for just being an awesome, shamelessly amazing human. And uh, for all of you out there, you know what I'm going to say right now. I'll let you fill in the blanks. Favorite four-letter word. Cock. Ball. Wine. Wine. (laughs) Why not? And we are loving Margins Wine. So find out why right now. Go to www.marginswine.com. Drink some while you're Googling beaver anus. And I'm really in the Sangiovese right now. Is that how I say it right? Yeah, Sangiovese. Sangiovese. That's a region in Italia. Mm. So she's making boutique small batch wines and locally made in Santa Cruz, women owned and operated. We absolutely love Megan Bell and all of her creations. Go and sign up for the newsletter because there are not very many releases. I think it's like three to four a year. And you can also save money on those bottles of wine. So for the holidays, stock up. Go to shamelesssex.com and find out how to save some money. And I'm going to encourage you and invite you and just gently push you in the right direction of giving us a five-star review on (laughs) iTunes because beavers love us (laughs) and we hope you do too. So we'll see you next Tuesday, y'all, for another shameless sex episode. Ciao for now. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.